I'm Jarrett Murphy from CityLimits.org. And this is Ben Max from Gotham Gazette. Uh, great. So we're joined now by City Council Member Helen Rosenthal. Council Member Rosenthal, are you on the line? Hey, it's Helen Rosenthal. Hi there. Thanks for joining us. Uh, this is Ben Max from Gotham Gazette and Jarrett Murphy from City Limits. Appreciate you uh, taking some time with us. Thanks for having me on. You know, uh, I, I actually am sorry I didn't hear James Parrott. Um, my guess is he was, I'm, I'm hoping he was saying and the federal government was hearing that we need more money. Yes, we, we concluded, uh, we concluded on, on that note for sure. James was giving us a, a good assessment of, uh, you know, his study of the, the jobs loss, jobs losses that we've uh, seemingly incurred and, and what's going on with that and what may lie ahead. And then also uh, spoke very much about the, uh, the need for more the federal government to do more. So, so council member, you, um, we're going to, we want to hit on a few topics with you. Um, there's, there's several things that you um, pay a lot of attention to and have expertise in. Um, so we want to start though with the city budget picture, obviously the mayor and the city council that you're a member of have to craft a budget by July 1st. Uh, these are very uh, challenging economic times. Uh, the mayor has already, put forward a new buzz budget proposal with some cuts, uh, dipping into some reserves, um, some plan reductions in spending in different ways because of the crisis where, where certain city services are just not going to be used as much because people are staying home, et cetera, et cetera. So give us your sort of general picture right now of how the city budget process is proceeding and what needs to be focused on. Sure. Um, and I appreciate the question. And, uh, you know, I think we uh, it's already been said, people are saying this, but it bears repeating that, you know, the pandemic has exposed and accelerated weaknesses in our society that have been there for generations, right? So COVID-19 has simply made what has already been a very tenuous situation much, much worse. And and by that, I'm thinking about how going into this, 50% of New Yorkers have already been rent burdened. Um, and, and now we have even more food insecurity. So how does the New York City budget deal with that in terms of a recovery, given the fact that We've already had a very progressive mayor and city council over the past seven years. Um, so the same, the, the current crisis is not going to be solved by using the same approaches. And when you look at the budget, you can't simply cut our way out of the deficit. The hole is just too big. And I think an austerity budget would aggravate rather than solve the enormous problems that we're facing. And we're going to need to make the most intelligent cuts possible and look at the macroeconomic solutions, which involve probably more government spending. In other words, we have to build back in such a way was to begin to address the economic disparities that already have been existed, that have already existed. So, uh, you know, as a member of the city council budget negotiating team, we've been looking at these numbers for the past few weeks. 
there's there's a shortfall in um, city tax revenues of around eight billion dollars. We've already lost nearly a billion in state aid. We're about to get another hit. I you know let's round it to say another billion. Um, and we've got the increased costs from COVID spending. So you know we're looking at a shortfall of upwards of $14 billion. And there are only two guaranteed options for what you can do in that situation, given that the state controls taxing. Uh, so, so taxing is not an option for the city. Um, so we can cut programs and we can tap into our reserves. The city has already, as you mentioned, the mayor has already put forward a plan with $2.7 billion worth of cuts and other savings and um, is contemplating using reserves of about $4 billion. Personally, what, what I would do, and, and I'm going to put a pin in this, we're going to come right back to it, but I would use up a little less of our reserves because I think things are only going to get worse. Um, and I would work harder to find more productivity and savings in the city's budget. Um, the outstanding question we have, um, and, and this gets to James, James Parrott's point, is federal aid. Um, we've got about 100, uh, sorry, 1.5 billion in the door. We're waiting for the fourth stimulus to be signed off on. The city's budget assumes 2.6 coming in from the federal government. I think that's a fair um, conservative estimate. But there's something out there that there there is another option that I think the city should not shy away from, and that is borrowing money. Um, now, this requires state approval, and that's super challenging, and everyone seems to gasp when whenever I bring it up and I hear others bring it up in these budget meetings. But I... I just don't think we should write that off as impossible. Um, so, 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 in, and just to sort of point out, the city needs state authorization to borrow money for expenses incurred. Right. So, so that seems to that seems to tie into your idea that you want to avoid anything resembling an austerity budget that you want to plug holes as best possible to, you know, sort of keep, um, you know, keep things flowing, keep, you know, programs flowing, keep money flowing, uh, you know, keep obviously p uh, public sector jobs uh, intact. Go back for a second to this idea of, you know, finding savings and cuts in the budget the right way. What is the mayor not doing that he should be doing in terms of finding more efficiencies, more savings, more cuts at city agencies. Uh, you know, folks listening should know that the budget, uh, the city budget has grown by more than $20 billion um, under Mayor de Blasio and the city councils that he's worked with. Um, what, what should the mayor be doing that he's not doing in terms of finding savings and, and cutting uh, some of the fat? Right. And, and to that point, we should also keep in mind that during that time when the budget has increased by billion, uh, $20 billion and the size of the municipal workforce has grown, we have to keep in mind that the city's um, bond rating um, has improved under this mayor. We're at a double A rating right now. 
so the rating agencies are satisfied with how the budget has been put together over the past seven years, number one. And number two, I think that the first round of cuts that the mayor came out with were put together with some haste. And I do think there's time between now and the and the time of the adopted budget where I think the mayor is going back and being a little more thoughtful and certainly the city council is pushing hard that we not make some of the cuts that were initially proposed, like the um, summer youth employment program. I think that's a penny-wise and pound-foolish cut, um, and that, you know, there were also cuts in there for job training programs. I think that those programs are the ones that you don't want to see cut in an austerity budget because they will pay dividends. I do think that we can go back and look at, and I know I'm sure the mayor is doing it and our city council staff is also doing this, examining very closely the audits that the city controller has been putting out on city agencies, the ideas from uh, the independent budget office, from um, CBC, um, to, to think uh, more with a scalpel and less with an axe about how to go after savings. There are always opportunities. And this is something I've harped on for the last um, six years with within procurement, where I think just by definition, the number of hurdles that the city has set up in procurement has resulted in a much higher cost to the city. Um, so, so I do think there are less damaging ways for us to find money and that we could be a little bit more aggressive. But at the same time, I do just want to move on to talk about how we should be spending money that if we have to borrow, we should borrow, but wisely to build back our economy and to make our city stronger. I think we have to assume that the federal government is going to come through with aid to New York City. And so we shouldn't be holding back on spending money today, and I would do it in three areas. First, I would ask the EDC to target the best industries, public-private partnership, to invest in job training programs. Similarly, perhaps it's through the EDC public-private partnership to create a local WPA-style program to get people to work today and to rebuild our infrastructure. We've got crumbling NYCHA buildings. You know, we have to prepare our communities for the physical impact of climate change. And lastly, we have to prepare for when the eviction moratorium is lifted. And I think the city has to be in a position to have the funds necessary to buy up default properties before predatory equity buyers swoop in and just pull the rug out from under any opportunities or any affordable housing we have now. Councilwoman, you've uh, spoken in the past about the importance of human service providers in the city, and obviously a tremendous amount of the work that the city does is done actually by contractors, uh, whether for-profit vendors or or not-for-profits, and that's especially true on the human services side. 
there's been a, some news about the messaging that those organizations have gotten from the city about what they could spend and what they couldn't, concerns about organizations maybe having already spent money that won't be reimbursed for. Um, obviously, that is not the city workforce, but it's a huge part of the economy and, and the social fabric. What do you think the city should be doing vis-a-vis those contractors now? What do you think they should be telling them? How should How should that be handled? Well, I love the way you worded the question because the answer is in the way you worded it. We're in the middle of a human crisis, and the demand for services is is desperate in so many cases, and it's only going to get more desperate. So I think the city should not be hesitant to get money out the door just as quickly as possible. We should be expediting payments to our human service providers in every possible way. Um, The hurdles for reimbursement are just too onerous. And, uh, you know, let's think of it this way. By not getting the money out the door quickly, we are ostensibly forcing these nonprofits to borrow from the bank in order to provide the desperately needed services. And eventually the city will get around to reimbursing them and, of course, will reimburse without any interest payment. Councilwoman, quick question, uh, just going back to the, the question of using reserves. Obviously, hindsight is twenty twenty, and and you know I don't think many of us would have predicted that we've been in a crisis that we would be in a crisis quite like the one we're in. But do you think, given the, the growth in the city budget over the past five or six years, that the city should have created larger reserves so that this choice between tapping in reserves or cutting programs or borrowing for operations um, was a little less stark? You know, it's a great question, and uh, I do think, again, as a member of the budget negotiating team in the room with Speaker Johnson, as these decisions are being made when the city adopts the budget every year, every year we have held steadfast to add $250 million to to reserves every single one of the last uh, couple of years, and prior to that, uh, Speaker um, Melissa Mark Viverito did the same, so... Um, yes, you're right. The, the common um, number is something around 10 to 12 percent of a budget should be in reserves. We're a little bit low in that. We're starting off with about eight to nine billion in reserves. Some of that money in reserves right now really cannot be touched. And we're tapping into about four billion. I actually would hold back and tap into three billion and find additional one billion in cuts. But, no, I mean, ostensibly, I, I don't care what you call it, a rainy day fund, reserves, whatever. The city has those. We've been holding them back, and we are using them now that we have a crisis. I would argue we're in a crisis. We should also borrow money to pay for incredibly important things we need to fund now. So we uh, could keep talking about city budget issues and how to manage this fiscal crisis uh, for quite a long time more. And I'm biting my tongue here with some other questions on that. But we do have just a few more minutes and we want to get to uh, another issue that you've been focused on a lot and are going to be addressing in the coming days in a in a serious format. Um, and that's domestic violence um, in your in your capacity as chair of the city council's uh, committee on women and gender equity uh, you will be co-chairing a hearing on Friday on domestic violence. Um, can you t- tell us a little bit about 
what that hearing is going to look like, what you're hoping to get out of it? Great. Well, thank you for that. You know, uh, as chair of the committee, we've been watching the data very closely. And the, the fine, with the findings that we're seeing, we're, we're really concerned that while DV has always been underground um, and COVID-19 is pushing it further underground, um, it's truly exacerbated the power and control dynamic that's used by abusers. Um, domestic violence is as complicated as the people who are involved are complicated. It's a social and a public health crisis, and there's no one silver bullet. So for that reason, we're holding this oversight hearing uh, this coming Friday at 1 o'clock. People can go on the city council website and stream it live. Um, we will be, it's an oversight hearing to examine what is the city doing to address the needs of domestic violence survivors within the COVID-19 lockdown. And I think uh, in all our discussions with providers, what we're seeing with the data right now is calls to hotlines are going down. Uh, the number of DV, you know, the radio runs, people are still calling 911, but when they get there, um, the police are not taking as many complaints and not making as many arrests. So we want to understand why that's happening and just sort of make sure that, you know, the police are well-trained and learning as we all are learning about how to, how to, how to talk with survivors during um, this new situation of COVID. Um, and we want to know that the city is doing the best it can to get word out to the public that the hotline is up and going, counselors are available, shelters are available, they are doing their best to keep them COVID-free. Um, I do just want to get out the number of New York City's 24-hour domestic violence hotline. It's one 800 621 Four six seven three, which spells out hope. So one eight hundred six two one hope. Orders of protection are being enforced. That the, if any of them, uh, in terms of their time, has ended, those timelines have been extended. Um, and so the protections are out there. Services are out there. We need people to know that they can reach out and get the help that they need. Okay, well, that's uh, important information, and of course, an important hearing coming up on Friday. Um, I know we'll be uh, we're ready covering it actually ahead of the hearing at Gotham Gazette, so we'll be having putting some more information out there uh, for people. Uh, City Council Member Helen Rosenthal, thanks for th taking some time with us today. Thanks so much for having me on. I appreciate the opportunity to chat. You guys are always so smart. <laughs> we try. We try. Be well. Be well. <laughs> You too. Bye. So, uh, Jarrett, we've had a couple of uh, great conversations, as usual, on the program uh, with James Parrott on the economic fallout with uh, Helen Rosenthal on city budgeting issues and uh, domestic violence there at the end of the conversation. Uh, what thoughts are, are lingering for you here? 
Well, I have the same thought I always do, which is I wish we had a three-hour show as opposed to a one-hour one. I know. Uh, would love to have spoken with James about you know the life cycle impact of unemployment. Obviously, we think of these things in macroeconomic terms. You know, what's it going to mean for the unemployment rate? What's it going to mean for state revenue and city revenue? Uh, but obviously, even a short spell of unemployment can change the entire course of your life's earnings and can affect a lot of other family financial decisions. Trying to wrap our arms around that. Probably something it's too early to do, but we'd love to talk eventually about that. And what uh, Council Member Rosenthal was just speaking about, the, the the hearing she has coming up, reminds me, Ben, and this is something I know you guys have, have talked about. This crisis that we're going through is, is actually affecting the ability of government to kind of check and balance its response to that crisis. You know, they can't have an in-person city council meeting. It's got to be done uh, remotely. And that will also be true for all the all the budget hearings. And that's really interesting because, as the councilwoman mentioned, there are some real questions about what the city is doing, the choices it's making, the parameters it's setting. There's always a power differential between the mayor and the council. In an emergency situation, the mayor can seize even more power, uh, hopefully for good reasons, whether it's canceling SYEP or other stuff. And so it will be, I think, uh, fascinating and also maybe a little troubling to watch how the council attempts to uh, mount its power to shape the budget despite not having the bully pulpit that it always has. Yeah, I think those are great points. I mean, on that last one, you know, I do think um, if anyone is going to, you know, sort of make sure that the council puts its imprint on what the city budget looks like, I think it will be Corey Johnson. You know, he's been pretty aggressive with the mayor um, this term. You know, the mayor is obviously in his final term. Johnson, meanwhile, his first term as speaker will be his only one, of course, because because he's term limited out, but he's going to be running for mayor uh, in, in almost all certainty. And he's been pretty aggressive in budget negotiating with the mayor over the last couple of years, at least in terms of his and the council's top priorities. So I think, um, you know, he'll probably find a way uh, and the council, you know, even if they have to do their work remotely, they they have a lot of power here. And so I think um, I expect him and them to exercise it. And I think, you know, it's pretty I think they were a little slow in doing it, but but they did get their digital capacity up and running and they started holding hearings um, and they're holding them, you know, today and and tomorrow and Friday. And, and they're going to hold a budget hearing relatively soon and maybe a series of them. So I think we're going to see that really ramp up soon and what kind of um, imprint they put. I think one of the big outstanding questions is, though, we heard this from Councilmember Rosenthal is, you know, the city council never wants to cut anything. Uh, mm-hmm. the Council never really wants to find much savings, except, you know, maybe sometimes they want the mayor to trim uh, his priorities a bit so they can spend more money on other things. Um, This idea that the council, you know, has been a big proponent for more reserves and savings is not really true. I mean, you know, they've certainly sort of put that flag out there each year, but they haven't really pushed that hard for the savings to be bigger than they've been. Um, and everybody has acknowledged they've been a little bit smaller than they should be. So I think that'll be a really interesting dynamic coming up. Um, yeah, well, a, lot, a lot to look at and a lot of questions that we'll have a chance to tease out over the next few weeks. Have a great week in the greatest city in the world.